Hey, this is Jimmy Jago. Hey, this is Elliot Babbo. Craig Goodwin. Hey, this is Eugene Glekovic. Martin Zagandic. Hey, this is Tariq Yorich. And this is The Redcast on 104.7 Classic Triple M. Welcome to The Redcast ahead of round 10 of the Hyundai A-League. Reds fans, get up and about. We've got a win on the board. And hopefully against Sydney FC, we're going to make it two from two and get another three points. To preview this week's round of the A-League, round 10, I've got Andy Harper joining us. Uh, from Fox Sports. But next, a young man with a great history and he's going to do fantastic things for Adelaide United. George Mells joins us live in the studio. Terrific run and a super finish. Hey, this is Tariq Yorich. Hey, this is Jimmy Jago. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin. Hey, this is Elliot Bubba. And Classic Triple M rocks Adelaide United. 104.7 Classic Triple M. It is our red cast every week. We chat to an Adelaide United player, and this week we are lucky enough to be joined by George Mells. Hello, mate, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mate, thank you for coming in, especially you've got the easiest job. Everyone else is coming in after losses. You're coming in <laughs> after a win, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, it's good to get a win finally. Um, it's been long overdue and, you know, I'm happy for the fans who come down and got to witness it and hopefully we get more fans down for the next game against Sydney. Yeah, so the fans wasn't, you know, a, a great turnout yeah. yet, but that's kind of flowed on right across the A-League with all of the uprest against the FFA and yeah. and the Red Army were quite vocal on getting involved as yeah, well. But the yeah. kind of call to arms is out there now that let's get behind the boys and fill mm. the stands again, yeah? Yeah, I mean, we totally understand why the Red Army walked out. We, you know, I think we're at, all the players are in full support of it because at the end of the day, the fans are the most important part of it at the end of the day because without them, you know, football's not as exciting as it would be if you just uh, watched an empty stadium. But um, no, we were fully behind the fans and uh, we just hope we can get as many as we can down against Sydney. What was the vibe like when the Red Army walked out or afterwards? Kind of, it's weird without that sound of them, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because we experienced the, a victory the week before when yeah. the victory, the, the victory faithful, they uh, they left the stands as well. And it just, there's no, you know, the, they just bring the extra uh, sort of liveliness to the game and, you know, uh, excitement. And uh, with them leaving, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of hard for us to say for if the other team are on top of us, has to get back into the game because you know you haven't got them who are always on top of you each week. So uh, they were missed, yeah. and uh, we'd be glad to have them back against Sydney. Well, let's talk about the game. It was a good win. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Sanchez gets the goal early, yeah. and then. A lot of great play from you boys. And yeah. you spoke about it off air to me a little bit earlier that yeah. defensively the team hasn't been great. Yeah. But we're starting to turn that around now. Eugene being back is a good, yeah. you know, he's a great communicator in yeah. that back line. Yeah. Kind of rallies the troops. But all in all, a better team performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, defensively something we've been working on. And um, I think we identified that earlier in the season that we were struggling at this part. Uh, in terms of the transition, so we would have the ball at one stage and then as soon as we lost the ball, the other team would already be in our box. And we were, uh, we were struggling with that because we knew what we needed to do, but it just wasn't happening for us. And I think that's something we corrected against Victory um, in our last game as well. And I think that's something we'll continue to do now that we've got the hang of it. And um, I think we're just unlucky as well going forward. I mean, we've had chances in many of our games and things weren't falling for us. Whereas like for other teams, like when we played Wellington away, you know, things were just falling to them. And um, I think now, I think we've got our first win. Hopefully we can get our next win and hopefully we get a string of games going because I think that's what we need. So your manager are more, some would say kind of caved is probably not the right word, but Unfortunately, you came out for Karuska to go back in, and it's yeah. kind of what everyone was calling for, not yeah. essentially for you to come out, yeah. but for some of the foreign players to get yeah. the start uh, yeah. and be back in that starting eleven. and all yeah. of a sudden there's a win. Do you think yeah. that goes hand in hand, or was it more everything he's put in for the last eight or nine weeks finally coming together? Um, look, it's a, it's a tough one, that one, because 
you know, for for me, when I came into the squad, you know, it was it was explained as a tactical issue. Um, I think I'm more of a defensive player to say to what Kuroskur is. He's more of an attacking ball player, and uh, he gives us a lot going forward. So I think um, we had a few strings of losses. So the hope was maybe that I go in and do a job for the team defensively as the best as I could. And you were leaking goals, two four four goals. Oh in yeah, a row, two games in a row. Exactly. So, yeah. so we were leaking goals, and um, you know I think we held victory as best as we could because mm. um, that's the game I did start in. Um, and they scored two set piece goals. So I mean, there's not a lot you can do about that. I mean, set piece goals are the most frustrating ones out of a lot of them, but. At the end of the day, we restricted them where they couldn't score on open play. Mm. And that was a positive. And I think, you know, Chris had come back to the team. He gave us plenty plenty of attacking players you saw on yeah. the weekend. The team looked good playing free-flowing football. And it was good to have him back in the team. And for me personally, I've got to be patient as I'm one of the younger players. Yep. And I've got to look to people like him to see what I can do to improve my game as well. Talk about the mood leading into that game before you got the win. So it was yeah. a few tough weeks and more... A little bit under siege, even though the players themselves know that he was on the right track and he was doing everything right. Leading into the game, did he change anything or was it all kind of business as usual? Let's get on with it, boys. Let's win this one. No, I mean, it's always the same. Um, We've got the same mentality going to every game. It's always the same mood that we play every game to win. And, you know, we always give 100% and we play to the best of our ability. I mean... Results didn't come our way. We understand that, you know, it would have been frustrating for the fans and anyone watching, like, you know, why is this happening? And everyone has their sort of opinion. But I think now we've got our first win. You know, the monkey's off our back now. And, you know, we can just go forward with things. And the move before the game was good. You know, we had a, there's a belief that we can win. Um, as, you know, I watched a few of the games last year. Mm. And, you know, the, the teams are, it's a strong team, you know. Mm. On our day, you know, I think we can beat any team in the league. That's me personally. So... I think now we just need to be positive and keep doing the things we've been doing and good things should come. And that's it. I think we've spoken about this over the weeks on the Redcast as well. All the fundamentals were there, the possession game, the tactics, the formations, all the boys were doing their roles. It just lacked a few little things. Once it all clicks, you guys are going to be a a powerhouse again. So the first win, I agree with you, is on the board. How was the heat? Finally, they made the right decision, pushed the game back, which was the right call, especially for the Lady Reds as well. No one wanted to see them playing in... 40 degrees at, you know, 130. I think the heat is something that needs to be taken into consideration for sure. I think it was a good decision to move the game back. Um, Obviously, then, unfortunately, the Reds couldn't play at high marsh, but still, I think they would prefer to play in the cooler conditions. Yeah. Um, It it wasn't even that hot when the game came around, to be honest. Uh, In the warm-up, it was all right, and the game was fine. Uh, That's what the boys said anyway. Um, But the heat heat can be an issue, but the boys are used to it. I mean, yeah. Some, we've got some lads who've played, you know, a number of seasons in their league, so they're used to it. Um, some of the younger lads have played, you know, youth international games for their country overseas in Asia, so they're used to it as well. So there's really, if we have to play in those conditions, there is no excuse because it's yeah. the same for the other team as well. And you, you train for it, you're prepared for it. All yeah. of your medical team behind the scenes yeah. and, and your coaches yeah. know what they're getting you into. You, you know. Yeah, I mean, they prepare us properly. Mm. Um, all the sports science stuff and physios, they, uh, you know, prepare us, you know, hydration-wise, food-wise. And, you know, they give us all those sort of guidelines of what to do leading up to the game. Let's get our second win on the board this weekend against Sydney FC, Friday night, Cooper yeah. Stadium, back-to-back games at home. So yeah. this is kind of where you need to get another three points. Yeah. Sydney, how do you see them? Look, um, I've watched bits and pieces of Sydney. Um, they look very strong defensively. I think that's fair to say. Um, they've only conceded six goals the whole season. so and most of those were against the victory. Yeah, four, which yeah. four against victory. So that means, you know, apart from victory, other teams are struggling to score against them. 
Um, so trying to break them down, I think, will be tough, but we're a team who create chances. Mm. So I think anything can happen in that game. And that being said, they might be strong defensively, but I'm not seeing a massive amount of attacking swagger with them at the moment. You know, Smelter's doing a certain job and then Simon yeah. comes off the bench because... Graham Arnold seems to think he needs that pinch hitter to come on and kind of make an impact. So yeah. that's kind of saying something to me that if they're always turning to your substitute yeah. as your striker to make a difference, yeah. something's not quite gelling there. Yet. Yeah, I think if if you're if uh, if you're too focused on the defensive side, something's got to give way. And unfortunately, mm. if you give if you're trying to concentrate on the defensive play, then I think you know your attacking play might struggle a little bit. But for them so far, I mean, where they're sitting on the table, obviously it's doing the trick for them, but. For us, we're going to exploit that and we're going to go out and, you know, try and win the game. That's basically all I can say is we're going to try try our best to win the game and that's how we go into every game. We go into attack and play some great football. Have you seen a weakness anywhere in their armour? How do you think you'll get in behind? Is that the key? Or I think definitely in behind because they play a high line defensively. Yeah. So trying to exploit them in behind might be an idea, but then again... Good chance for Tarek or Goodwin to kind of run down those flanks yeah, and get in there. We've got some pace. We've got some mm. pace in the team. Like I said, Tarek and uh, Craig and we've got Mate as well who's got some pace. And um, if we can exploit them that way, I'm sure we will, but otherwise we'll keep hold of the ball. I think it's going to be a very, very good game. And Cooper Stadium, I think, is the key for you guys. The yeah. home deck looks good. Yeah. Home crowd are going to get out there in full force and back you guys in. Mm. And you could make a very big impact. And as you saw, suddenly one win, no longer on the bottom, mm. sit third from the bottom, mm. another win, and suddenly we're back mid-table mm. and the season's well and truly on. Yeah, I mean, because obviously there's not many teams, so jumping up the table, you know, in, after one win, it, mm. it can happen. Yeah. And then after two wins, you can jump again. Um, and I think playing at Coopers is important. I mean, all the lads love playing at home. It's a fantastic stadium, um, especially when it's full. That's yeah. one thing I, you know, we always stress on. We always want the fans to be there. Um, we love it when the fans are there. The sport is great. And I think playing at Coopers, I mean, so far Coopers has been my favourite stadium I've played at so far. It's wow. my favourite stadium. So, And the surface is unbelievable as well. So having the fans come down and watching us play means the world. Well, Red Army, everyone get down there. It'll be at 7.10 at Cooper Stadium on Friday night. Ticketech.com.au is where you get the tickets. So talk to me about coming back to the A-League. Did you know much about the A-League? You know, you, you grew up in, in Melbourne and then you travelled yeah. overseas yeah. to the UK. Uh, A-League very different to the NSL days. So how did you find <laughs> coming back from over in the UK and playing for big clubs? Let's, you know, drop some names here. Chelsea, Southampton. Uh, you've done pretty well over, over those years through the development kind of juniors and all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it's being being overseas is uh, it, it's always going to be different being somewhere else, wherever mm. you are. Um, so experiencing the two clubs you mentioned was, you know, it was a, it's a dream come true in in a way, and then it, you know it's a privilege to be there. But at the same time, you've got to make the most of those opportunities when you're there. And I f I feel like I have. Yep. I've learned a lot from various coaches and players, and. Um, both my times there were really good. Um, I hold none above the other. They're both equal to me. Um, but coming back to the A-League for me was important because, you know, you, you get to a get to an age, well, I certainly thought I got to an age now where I think, you know, first team football, you know, it's a good idea for someone at my mm. age um, trying to get appearances under your belt, trying to get that experience. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, around the world, how many, you know, 17, 18 or 19-year-olds are playing regularly in their first team or getting picked in the squads? In the leagues overseas, I'd say not many because yeah. you know the level is very high and it's very demanding. Um, whereas here, when I come back, because the league, the league's not, maybe not as strong as the Premier League, uh, but still very hard physically, yes. and the pace of the game here is very quick. 
So that's something that I've had to adapt to and, you know, try and learn as quickly as I can. And I feel like I'm adapting well and I think I've got still plenty to learn, but it's going well for me at the moment, I think. For young people that are listening to this that, are, you know, that want to get into football and kind of follow a similar path and go overseas and kind of play, yeah. what was it like as a very young man walking into a club like Chelsea and going through those development stages through there? It's, uh, it, it's a lot harder than what people might think. Um, obviously, the name sounds great. Um, but then again... And with that name comes a lot of pressure, right? Well, yeah, not just that. I mean, you've got to leave home for start. Mm. Uh, you've got to leave your friends. Some people find it hard to leave friends and family. And we're talking at the age of what? what 12, I was 13? turning 12 at the time. Yeah, so look, family come with me at first, but I've been on my own over there since I turned 14. So wow. since then I was on my own. And it's, it's harder than what uh, you know, people think. People just see the names and like where you've been and they think, oh, it's fantastic, which it is. Mm. But you know, it comes with certain pressures, but I'm not the only one that's had to do it, so I'm not going to give a song and dance about it. <laughs> I'm not the only one that's had to do it. We've, we've had a few boys here who have played overseas. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's part of football, you know. It, it's sacrifice. Sacrificing football is a big part of it, and if you're not willing to do it, then you, know, you might not have a future in the game. So <laughs> you've got to give sacrifice, and that's what I realised. I think, you know, if I don't sacrifice, then, you know, what am I going to do? So that's what I had to do. With hard work comes a reward. Yeah. Definitely. Well, George, thank you so much for coming in, mate. Good luck against Sydney on Friday night and bring home the three points. Thank you. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin and Classic Triple M rocks the Reds. And joining us from Fox Sports, where you can catch all the live action of the Hyundai A-League every round on Channel 505 is Andy Harper. Thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Good to be on the Redcast. Love the name. Well, Andy, the Reds fans are up and about because we finally got a win on the board. It was a fantastic uh, afternoon as well, and it was more like the Adelaide we've come to love over the last few seasons. Um, you know, they've had moments this season, the Reds, where they looked like they were starting to uh, get something going and then a, a mistake or something other unfortunate would happen or a, or, or a bad decision by a player and they've found themselves back where they started. But they managed to break through nicely against... Um, Perth. Well, I mean, it should be said, Perth aren't in the greatest of Nick uh, this season, but they're still very difficult to beat at Perth Glory. Um, and it was just wonderful to see Adelaide in full flight again. And of course, central to that discussion is Marcelo Carusco. Well, that's the thing. There's been a lot of discussion over here, especially when you see your big foreigners sitting on the bench. Karuska mm. comes into the starting 11. Suddenly there's a win. So now the pressure's on a more to continue that into this week against Sydney FC. Yeah, I can't see how he wouldn't start, to be honest. Um, but I've got a bit of empathy or sympathy for the coach. Um, the thing about Cruz, and as much as we've loved watching him, I don't think there's a person in Australia, um, inside or outside the A-League, I mean, I've done a fair bit of media in, in Adelaide and a lot of the AFL um, radio, former AFL now radio presenters just love the guy. Mm. We all love Marcelo Cruz. It's easy to love watching him play. Um, but I think it's incumbent upon us not to castigate the coach necessarily because... You know, Marcelo has had injury trouble over the time here. And it's, you know, we can sit back and say, we love him doing this, we love him doing that. But, but you know, if, he's, if for injury or fitness reasons or, or anything else, he's not able to actually, actually cover off the job that's given to him, um, then you can understand why a coach might look for an alternative. Um, so having said that, um, his, when he's fit and firing, which he very obviously was last week, mm. he has to play because... It's not just the damage he causes as an individual. It's the influence he has on other players around him. You just saw the re-emergence of Thurio as one example last week who's, who's, who's compared to the fantastic form he's had since he's been in Australia, has struggled this season, Sergio mm. Thurio. But 
but he was dynamic again last week, and that's the value of a Kuruska. And the inclusion of Eugene Galekovic back from injury the last couple of weeks, two clean sheets, he's starting to manage those troops in the back a lot better. The communication seems to have got a lot better, and that's no you know, uh, judgment against John Hall, but of course experience always shines through, especially yeah. from the captain. That's true. I mean, there's only one Eugene Galekovic who's had a phenomenal career, who's been phenomenal for Adelaide United, and John Hall... When his time comes on a more regular basis, we'll be fine. You know, he's, he's a good prospect as a goalkeeper. Um, and it was unfortunate for him that the team was so dysfunctional when he got his, his uh, run at the top job because of Eugene's injury. I mean, mm. it can work the other way, of course. A young goalkeeper can make a name for himself in a team that's struggling. Mm. Um, that wasn't quite what was happening for John Hall, but that doesn't, that doesn't um, suggest in any sense that he's not going to be a good keeper when his time comes. But, you know... Few compared to Eugene, and few compared to the impact Eugene can have on a team and the confidence that goes through. So, you know, even though he wasn't evidently 100% fit when he made his uh, comeback, uh, fortunate for them, I guess, and for Eugene that they played that Newcastle a team that was the first in early history to not register a shot on goal. Um, <laughs> so, so that's going to take a pressure off a goalkeeper significantly. Yeah, just a little that? bit, so, and, and maybe a little, a couple of strokes of luck like that are what Adelaide need. And wouldn't it be a great story? I mean. Adelaide are going to have to write history mm. um, for them to make the business end of the season. No one's had a start like them and gone on to reach the finals. You kind of have um, that feeling, too, that if there is a team that can do it, Adelaide exactly. United are that dark horse. Exactly. And I would love this collection of players to be the first to set that mark. Mm. Um, because what, in general, what the A-League has done over 10 and a bit seasons, I think at the right time has rewarded the right teams. Yes. Um, I think it was... Sitting proper that Brisbane under under Ange Postecoglou were the first team to go back to back and the first team to three championships. So mm. I just thought, you know, A League should look back at that milestone and think that's exactly what Brisbane deserved because of what they did to the league. And then secondary to that, I think it's completely proper that Melbourne Victory are the first team and first football club to hold all three trophies at once. I think that's completely the fitting of the club that's the most successful uh, in the country on almost every indication. And just carrying, carrying on from that discussion, I think it would t- be totally fitting for Adelaide United and this collection in particular, and because of what Adelaide's contributed to football, not just in the A-League era, but, but going way back, mm. to set, set some sort of historical mark and be the first team to turn an awful start uh, into, a, into a title challenge. I think that would be right and proper. Friday night, Cooper Stadium or Hindmarsh, we take on Sydney FC. Sydney sit quite high up on the ladder, but talking to George Mells earlier... And he did have a really good point. Sydney have gone for quite a defensive game, but they're also not scoring a lot of goals. So they're not conceding. I think most of their goals have come against Melbourne Victory this year. So no teams have really been able to break them down. How does Adelaide United win this one, Andy? Well, they, they take into the game on Friday the form that, that they left on the field last start against Perth. I mean, they, they had fantastic penetration, fantastic wits. They had an energised uh, Karuska who probably felt maybe he had a point to prove. Um, and if they can, I mean, Karoska cannot be contained if he's in the mood. If he's fit and he's in the mood, he can't be contained. That's the definition of a great player. And in Adelaide, in Karoska, they've got a great player. Mm. Um, you know, Graham Arnold will be very mindful of Marcelo Karoska. They'll have a, a set of plans. They might play with two number sixes, for argument's sake, two defensive midfielders, just to, to, to provide that extra cover for a Karoska if he does cut loose. Um, and, and so you, your plans go out the window to an extent when you're discussing great players mm. because, like I say, if Karuska is fit and names up and he's as hungry on Friday, if he starts, 
personally, which we hope he does, when he's as hungry and ready on Friday as he was evidently last Sunday, then you can't contain those players. And it doesn't matter what plans you have because they find a way through them. That's what great players do. So um, uh, what do Adelaide need to do? Well, they need to say a few Hail Marys and hope that, <laughs> uh, that, that Marcelo wakes up on the right side of bed. Um, and they go from there. But, you know, they need to... In, in getting to Sydney, who do lock the field up very well, they dominate a game without the ball very, very well, perhaps the best in the league. One way to do that, apart from the vagaries of magic provided by the likes of Kuroska, is to make sure that when you win the ball back, your first action, your first intent, your first idea is to go forward at the nearest opportunity. Otherwise, Sydney will get back and close the door. Yep. And it's that transition moment. It's not so important against other teams, but Sydney will, will close the door if you give them half a second. So when you win that ball back, the first transition pass has to be either a Kuroska who's lifted into some space or wide to a serial, hopefully on the left, and away we go. And if Adelaide can take a very simple approach like that into the game, it will really test Sydney, and it'll be a cracking game. I think it's going to be an absolutely cracking game. And, of course, Andy, you can get all these live on your station, Fox Sports, Channel 505. Let's look at Brisbane Raw, Wellington Phoenix. Wellington with a great result against the victory on what looked like an absolutely awful pitch the uh, last weekend. Yeah. And Brisbane, going from strength to strength, unfortunate for the loss. Uh, you can't keep out a goal like Mitch Nichols' goal, but they are looking... Aloisi's done a great job with them. He has. He's doing a great job, Johnny, uh, as is Popovich with the Wanderers, and mm. it's a great resurgence by then. Um, but Brisbane will come into this game with a significant advantage, you'd imagine, uh, playing in camp. This game has been moved from Brisbane because of um, the summer rocks rock concert season. We'll, we'll hold our breath to see how the stadium recovers after that. Yeah. But it does, you know, there, there is a potential, depending on the day, of course, and the kickoff time, that um, Brisbane could enjoy over Wellington a 20-degree turnaround in temperature. You know, come out of Wellington, which is mild at its hottest probably this time of mm. year, into tropical north, far north Queensland. And We've got that strong humidity as well. Oh, which... mate, awful. Oppressive, and the scales tip significantly towards Brisbane. Um, plus, they're playing well. Wellington are a good team, obviously, uh, very good to watch. I just think this one should be too too much for them. I reckon the match of the round is going to be Western Sydney Wanderers, Melbourne victory, top of the table. It's at Pertec. Hopefully, we're going to get all the fans back out there for this one, which would be a great sight to see. How do you see this one unfolding, Andy? Yeah, well, like last week, we've got uh, three or four games that are involving the teams that are pretending to the season. And uh, obviously, first versus second is paramount out in that discussion. So victory's stung. They don't lose games, consecutive games, terribly frequently. And, of course, they lost in, in Auckland against the Phoenix last week. So um, it, it, it's sort of hard to imagine them losing again. But then when you put that that notion up against the Wanderers, who are so strong at the moment, mm. and winning... Uh, the number of consecutive games that they have, there's, an, there's, there's some incredible confidence and automation that comes into your game with those sorts of that sort of positive momentum. And then you've got the likes. I mean, talk about the game of game breakers with all the Melbourne Big Two stars and then uh, Mitch Nichols um, just playing so well for the Wanderers. Uh, it, it is going to be a fantastic class. There's no question about that. Well, continuing the doubleheader Saturday night on Fox Sports, we head over to NIB Stadium. Perth, of course, trying to bounce back after the loss to Adelaide United, Central Coast Mariners. Interesting game. Both teams struggling a little bit. So, you know, it's a good chance for one of them kind of to step up and take those three points. Well, it's Perth Glorious consecutive week of, of uh, wooden stone football. Um, and, you know, I think they've played better than that. Uh, they've been, you know, hit heavily with a lack of 
available playing talent because of injuries, etc. Their depth has been depth has been tested, um, but in plenty of games, even the five they copped on the jaw against Melbourne City, you know, after half an hour, they were down three 0 and they could have been up four three. Um, so they've somehow managed to stay reasonably buoyant. Perth Glory um, disappointed with the performance and the loss against Adelaide. I think at home against the Mariners, who are, who are more of a worry to me than Perth, mm. um, both have been hit on the jaw, but Perth have had a lot of players missing. The Mariners, not so. Mm. And the Mariners have fall, are falling on their own sword. Um, and it's a matter of how well Tony Wormsley can keep the young guys focused in the in the face of of, um, of these defeats that they're, 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 they're mounting, that are mounting for them at the moment. And I think away from home, Perth Warrior Jewel win. Uh, at home, rather. The Perth Warrior mm. Jewel win. I think they'll get themselves off the bottom of the ladder with this one. And the final game of the round at Hunter Stadium in Newcastle, Newcastle Jets, Melbourne City FC, Aaron Moy in scintillating form at the moment. He's yeah. going from strength to strength. Yeah, loves playing at this ground as well. Um, but, you know, we shouldn't... Their last two games uh, were against teams that are struggling, and that's when they got their five. They're not going to get five against Newcastle, I wouldn't have thought. Much more competitive uh, outfit this season than certainly last. Um, and need a win, excuse me, themselves the Jets. So... Um, I can see Newcastle getting something out of this um, and and possibly more. When I say something, I, I'm very confident they can get the draw. And I think there's you know there's an expectation building inside the Newcastle dressing room that they've got to con- convert the competitive at, um, the competitiveness of their team into some wins. Haven't had one for a few weeks at home against the team with probably the best player in the league at the moment. Aaron Moy would be a good scout. And I think the Jets might do it, to be honest. Oh, I like that. And finally, Andy, let's just touch on the FFA meeting with a representative from all 10 clubs, fan bases, uh, last night. Are we closer to a good resolution? They seem to be a lot of positive messages coming out of the FFA. The fans are going to respond soon. How do you see this one? Are we getting closer to everything going back to normal? People just loving our beautiful game and getting on with it. I believe we're going to get some really positive growth out of this and some really positive change. I think the FFA have acknowledged the error of their ways in recent times, um, and I think when they when they look back on on the security regime that's been built around the league, I, I think I believe they're acknowledging that it was a, a model for another period, and it's time to move forward. And I think if the fans have brought that, uh, have played their part in bringing that change, then that's fantastic for everyone's concerned. I think the noises being made by FFA are very conciliatory and very positive. Um, and I, I don't know if new chairman Stephen Lowy could have laboured any more his desire to build this constructively with goodwill mm. uh, and dialogue. I, I don't know if he could make that could have made that point any clearer. Um, and I hope people respond to it. You've got to give um, a guy a chance to to live by his word, and there's no reason why um, that's not going to be the case. So, um, and I think. You know, by, by reports, whatever we've been allowed to know out of the meeting that was held, we, we can know that some of the language has changed from the mm. FFA. Some of the language around, um, um, you know, making evidence available and a willingness to do that. To me, it's a big change from a week ago because uh, I didn't know quite legally how the FFA were going to be able to do that, but they're talking about trying to find a way with the fans to make that possible, which is good. Another powerful change in the language is... Um, if, 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 a, if a fan strays or is alleged to have strayed, they'll be issued with a, an intent to ban notice rather than the ban up front. Mm. Um, 
you know, this is powerful language. When you, when you listen to the, some of the grievances of the fan, to me, this is powerful language in response and positively so. So, you know, if we're to, if we're to believe what's been said recently, and again, I'm always prepared to give people the benefit of the doubt, then I think we've made a lot of ground. Um, and we'll see how the fans respond. I hope it's going to be positive. And like I said, on the new chairman, Stephen Lowy's words, um, um, goodwill and cooperation and a laser focus, which I thought was a yeah, terrific use of the language to get these issues resolved so that we can move on as a game together um, because we can't do it unless we're all together, including yeah. the fans, the players, the administrators and, and, and every type of fan. You know, I think... Um, to qualify, it's important that a lot of fans aren't involved in this imbroglio. Um, the, the active fans uh, are only one part of the fan group. They're a very important part of the fan group. They're the part of the fan group that, uh, by and large, and overwhelmingly brings the noise and the colour and the movement to game day, and that's acknowledged. But, yeah, there is a, there's another significant cohort of fans that are not involved in this, and I don't know that, that you know, the commentary has... has has um, has regarded them enough because it takes all types to make the game and it takes all types to make a fan group and it's bigger than one just than one section. So we need to remember that uh, and FFA need to to remember that they're representing everybody um, and the principle has to be and I haven't heard anyone to disagree with this that the A League as a venue has to be an exercise that is fun and is safe and any mudlers who have got pretensions to, to disturb that are going to get a severe red card, and I think everyone supports that. Very, very well said. Uh, and look, let's kick it off Friday night, Cooper Stadium. Get all of the Adelaide United fans down there. Let's fill this thing up and show that the A-League is back and better. Andy Harper, thank you so much for your time. And, of course, you can catch Andy and all the boys with every game live on Fox Sports 505. Thank you, mate. Terrific run and a super finish. Hey, this is Tariq Yorich. Hey, this is Jimmy Jago. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin. Hey, this is Elliot Babal. Classic Triple M rocks the Reds.